Welcome. Welcome, friends. Welcome for those of you that are here with us today, those of you that are listening on podcast or online. I just want to welcome you here with us today. I'm Laura Lynn Vasquez, our group life pastor, and it's my privilege to be up here with all of you. This is our seventh week of our life plan, and we are going through these books right here. And we've been asking each week, how can I love God and love one another through my family, faith, mental health, vocation, service, thoughtfulness, and today we're going to be on friendship. So go ahead and open up your book and flick through about seven pages to the section on friendship. Or you can get out your phone and take notes that way, however. We're going to be workshopping this out. Andy Stanley is a pastor out of Atlanta, and he said, we live in a culture that baits us to the edge of disaster then chastises us when we step over the line. Our culture baits us into doing things financially, morally, politically, ethically, and says, you know, come on, come on, come on, come on. And then as soon as we fall, we are shamed and we are criticized and and, and it can be devastating at times, which is why we need a life plan in multiple areas of our life. We need a plan to keep us from this disaster so that together, We can be coming friends who are advancing the cause of Christ while all of us are growing into who Christ is and becoming more like Christ. Our main verse for today, and you can write it in on the right-hand side of your book to be able to refer to later, is Proverbs 27.9. Proverbs 27.9. And it says, perfume and incense bring joy to the heart, and the pleasantness of one's friend springs from his earnest counsel. Do not forsake your friend and the friend of your father, and do not go to your brother's house when disaster strikes you. Better a neighbor nearby than a brother far away. And the main thing that we're going to be talking about today, right underneath that in your book, is because of God's friendship to us, we get the joy of being a friend to others. Others who might not look like us, act like us, think like us, but we get to be a friend with our neighbors. You know, we live here in America and it is such an incredible privilege and I actually see it as luck that I was born here and not someplace else. And there's a lot of people that have you know, given up their lives and worked really hard and sacrificed so that we can have this freedom here in America. And we have the freedom to be able, for the most part, to choose our community. You know, we get to choose what jobs we take. We're not, like, raised to, like, you're going to have this job. We, we get to choose the neighborhoods that we live in for the most part. And for the most part, we get to choose the church that we go to. There's a church on almost every corner here in America. And this is such an incredible blessing. Yet, loneliness is rampant in the world today. We are more connected but lonely. We have social media groups where we have hundreds of friends, yet there isn't a whole lot of intimacy and connection with one another. In fact, there's been health insurance companies, and one here, health insurer Cigna, they have stated and found that 46% of Americans report feeling lonely. That's almost half of us. The British Prime Minister, Theresa May, when she was in office, she announced a few years ago that she wanted to make solving loneliness a policy priority. Loneliness has been estimated to take off about 15 years of our life, which is equal to those who who struggle with obesity or who smoke 15 cigarettes a day. 
This is a big issue, a big deal. In the U.S., insurance companies are trying to come up with a way to solve this problem. How do we help people with loneliness? And, and you know, a few weeks ago, Elaine hit on a little bit the importance of emotional health combined with emotional intelligence. It's so important to being able to stay healthy, healthy um, emotionally as well as healthy in your walk with the Lord. And then we have Celebrate Recovery that is really trying to tackle this issue of loneliness as well. It is significant that our friends influence the quality and direction of our lives. Scott Treadway, he shared in a sermon a couple years ago that every one of us is in need, but with the love of God and the love of friends, we can be made whole. I love this, it's a simple equation. Friends plus Jesus can make us whole. Now, before we unpack this more, I want us to take a moment and I want you to go to your workbook and on the friendship section on the left-hand side, I want you to write down and just think about it. We're just gonna take a second. Who was your very first friend as a child? And what made them your friend? <clears throat> Who was your first friend and what made them your friend? We all know for the most part that true friendship is priceless and that friendship with the Holy Spirit can make us whole. But think about when you were a kid. Pretty much, if you were going down the slide and there was a group of kids with you on the slide, they became your besties, right? Instantly, they were your friends. If you were out in the field, whether you're playing ball or doing cartwheels, whatever it is, those kids you were playing with were your friends. You didn't care who the kids were next door. As long as they wanted to play and if they had a new game to teach you, you were excited to learn it. It was just about being friends. We weren't picky when we were little kids. And this was beautiful. Ecclesiastics 4.9 says, Two are better than one because they have a good return for their work. If one falls down, his friend is there to pick him up. We all need friends, and we need lots of diverse types of friends. Now, there are amazing movies out there that talk about friendship, and, and I love movies, and probably my favorite genre is a movie on a good friend, and one that just continues to you know, stand the test of time is with the, the Fellowship of the Rings or... Um, Movie. So let's check out this clip really quick. Naked in the dark. There's, there's nothing. No veil between me and the wheel of fire. I can see him with my waking eyes. Then let us be rid of it. Once and for all. Come on, Mr. Frodo. I can't carry it for you, but I can carry you! Come on! can't carry it for you, but I can carry you. Isn't that just a beautiful picture of what real lasting friendship is like? 
Often so many people, when we come together and we make plans out for our life, we're making these financial plans, and we come up with where we want to get to at the end of our life, and we have a system, and, and we have a plan that we've written down, and we've worked with some experts on it. We may have written, read some books about it, written things down, and, and i got to tell you, it is the same with friendships. Our friendships are just as important, more than money ever will be. The time that we spend developing Sound friendships, in many ways, is the investment that we are making for our future. It's being intentional. Who you are going to carry. Who you are going to invest in. Earlier in our series in week two, Steve said, living a life with others is where we can experience the presence of God. So many of us have experienced that. That just this friendship is really just like, gosh, being with Jesus And it's not just about being with people who are just like you. But when we're with others, all kinds of others, we get to experience the unique calling that God has on on their lives. You know, God has opened up the whole world to him. And the beauty of when we get to experience relationships with people all over the world is we get to see his kingdom come. His will be done here on earth as it is in heaven. We also, we get to learn how to love others like Christ has loved us. I've had the fortunate um, journey of being able to have incredible friendships and some not so incredible as as life goes, but I have this huge need to belong. And and I'm not quite sure if it's just how God wired me or if it's, um, you know, because of past pains or whatever it is, or maybe some of you like that. But but I, when I walk into a room, I want to be able to go, okay, where do I belong in this moment? And as a young girl, my grandmother noticed this in me, and she was a pastor's wife. And she noticed that I kind of wanted to hide behind her skirt. and, And she was like, oh, no, I ain't having any of that. And I asked her, well, how do you do it? And, and it's not that I was shy, I was fearful. And I think there's a difference between the two of those. And, and so she just said to me, she goes, you're gonna rewire your thinking. I want you to go over to that person. I want you to bring value to them. I want you to go love them like Jesus would love them. Ask them some questions, find out about them. And it really was this sense of I had to practice as a young girl how to go and be a friend to others. So, you know, fast forward to my life that I have now. I walk into a room. I still am looking for where I belong. I've lived all over the country. And for a while, every couple of years, my husband and I were moving. And I would have to take a deep breath and go, okay, I need community because I do thrive in a community. And, you know, it can be uncomfortable sitting down with a stranger. And with my job now, where I'm actually having to go visit um, do denominational meetings with people all over the United States, in fact, around the world. And every single meal is sitting down with a stranger or somebody maybe I had just met in the meal before. And even for this extrovert who loves making new friends, it can be exhausting. So I take my little tray and I just go, okay, Lord, who can I bring value to today? Who can I love and care for? Whose story can I find out? And and more intentionally, who is different than me that I can get to know how they think, how they tick, and what's about them? And through this journey, I have made some phenomenal friends from around the world, people that I never 
thought I'd be friends with that are very different me, that think different from me in all spectrums of things. And my life is being enriched. They pray for my children. They pray for me. They, they've come and they've carried me through some difficult things. And, and this is amazing. But I've also been terribly hurt. I've been abandoned. I've been told clearly that I don't belong. And these seasons and these times have been horrible. At that same denominational meeting, at one point, I had a whole table get up and walk away from me. And I went, ooh, I said the wrong thing. You know, um, I've been called a cancer. I've been told I was a heretic, ignorant, and, and even more. I have cared so much about what people thought about me that it has paralyzed me in different seasons of my life. I know the pain of loneliness. Yet now in my 50s, and boy, 50-ish, I no longer in my midlife. I'm kind of past that, so I'm doing a little reflection here on what I want the rest of my life to look like. But I can look and see that there have been some incredible moments when I've taken some risks. Being in a community with healthy friends is work, and it takes intention. But I've had friends who have celebrated births and weddings and deaths and loss of dreams with me together. Incredible friends that not only have helped me pick up a child mid-semester in college, but also said, you know what, I want to pay for the hotels and the gas up there just because I want to minister to you. Friends who've helped us move. Friends who stayed overnight with my child in the hospital when she was super sick and we just needed sleep. Gatherings in the front yard, backyard, not mattering what my house look like because real friends don't judge, right? They just come in and, and a friend who drops off a bag of fruit with sweet notes, I'm going to tell you, those, those bags of fruits, they make my day. And so much more friends who will pour into my children and travel across the world because it takes a village for us to raise up our friends together. It's been beautiful. My husband has regularly over the past years done this breakfast thing where he has said intentionally, I'm gonna go to some breakfast joint town wherever we've lived and I'm just gonna open it up for whoever wants to come and be my friend. There's no agenda. It's just saying, hey, I'm offering up my friendship. These friendships that have been made over the years were made for various reasons. Sometimes it was the person reaching out to me and saying, hey, I want to be friends with you, friends with your family. And other times it's Dean and I, my husband, sitting down and saying, who can we intentionally be a friend with? Who can we carry when the time comes that you know, they need to be carried? It has been beautiful. But all of these friendships that have lasted take work. We hurt each other. We hurt each other's feelings. We, we get sometimes, you know, disjointed with one another. So learning to work through conflict together is important. It's necessary because all friendships have conflict. Let's check out this video clip. Back off. No, you back off. This is my swamp. Our swamp. Let go, donkey. You let go. Stubborn jackass. Smelly ogre. Fine. <laughs> Hey, 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 come back here. I'm not through with you yet. Well, I'm through with you. Uh-uh. You know what? You is always me, me, me. Well, guess what? Now it's my turn. So you just shut up and pay attention. You are mean to me. You insult me and you don't appreciate anything that I do. You're always pushing me around or pushing me away. Oh, yeah? Well, if I treated you so bad, how come you came back? Because that's what friends do. They forgive each other. That's what friends do. They forgive each other. Yes, there are seasons that all of us can be terribly hurt, you know, and, and we can really struggle in knowing that sense of loneliness. Yet the joy of healthy friendship outweighs the fear of being rejected. All of us have barriers to making friends. All of us do. We're afraid 
of being hurt, that's a real barrier. You could be an extreme introvert and, and suffer from anxiety and it physically can hurt you to go put yourself out there and be friends. Maybe you've moved a lot, like I did, and starting over again is exhausting. You can be selfish with your time. You can simply say, you know, I work so much. The last thing I wanna do is like, go make a friend. I just wanna sit and just be still. Or you can be judgmental. You can only want certain kinds of friends in your life, friends that think like you, do like you, because frankly, it's just easier. These are real barriers that we have into being a friend to all and to helping carry different kinds of people. But you know what? Church, I know that we as a congregation, those of us that are Christ followers, we have the power of the Holy Spirit in us. I know that we can be a friend to so many. We have amazing tools. The power of the Holy Spirit is where is our scriptures to go and be a friend to anybody. So what does the scripture say? What does the Bible say about friendship? Well, it starts off in the book of Genesis, which I absolutely love. In the garden, God created Adam, and then he said it was not good for man to be alone. Remember I was talking about loneliness a few moments ago and the the loneliness factor that so many of us struggle with? Well, God knew in the beginning what was going to be best for us. It was best that man wasn't alone. And God knew that we needed people. He knew that we needed to be in community, a place where we belong. It's okay to want to be belong because that's how God wired us. He said it's not good to be alone. And so then he created Eve. And think about it. Eve was so unique, so different from him. But yet he created somebody very different from him to be his friend. Adam and Eve were the first community that's recorded in scriptures that we see. And, and you know, we know for the most part that we can't be in community with a tree, a bug, or other animals. And I know that there's some of you who are like, I got my dog and she is all that I need. Well, I would beg to differ. We need humanity. We need each other. We see in the scriptures that Jesus was a friend of sinners, and he had his reach incredibly broad. And this is why he made people so nervous. He had a ton of unique friends. Jesus had a ton of unique friends. Think about it. Jesus didn't care who his friends were. He had tax collectors. He had educated. He had uneducated. He had men. He had women. He had Samaritans. He had Jews. He had all walks of life around him. He had many friends, all kinds of friends. This is why the Pharisees got so upset. They didn't like what he was doing. He was changing how things were. This wasn't what their law had said was to be. And then I love this. So in John 15, 15, Jesus is meeting with his disciples, and it's after the Last Supper, and he's got a few last things that he wants to share with them, and I can only imagine his heart at the time and, and what the apostles thought, but he says in John 15, 15, I no longer call you servants, because a servant does not know his master's business. Instead, I have called you friends. For everything that I have learned from my Father, I've made known to you. You did not choose me. I chose you to go and bear fruit, fruit that will last. Jesus calls us his friend. He has invited us into his community. No matter where we are or what we have done or what we've come from, Jesus invites you in. 
Now, I know there's some of you saying, well, he was talking to the disciples in that moment. And he might be friends with them, but really just the rest of us he rescued. And so there's kind of this barrier there. Well, let's keep looking in the scriptures. Let's go to Acts 10, 28 and, and see what we see there. Peter said to them, you are well aware that it's against the law for a Jew to associate with a Gentile or visit with him. But God has shown me that I should not call any man impure or unclean. Peter made friends with those not like him. God had shown him. God had said, I want you to go out of your way. Get uncomfortable and go make friends with those that are different from you. And then we also see this with Paul. In fact, Paul, he started a church just that had to rock the religious world at that time with a woman, with someone who had been demon-possessed, this eclectic group of people. He started a church with, he became friends with them. It was wild. So we see this example throughout scripture of people going out of their comfort level to become friends. So what if we all did this? What if all of us followed Jesus and said, no person, male or female, inner city, suburbs, black, brown, white, Republican, Democrat, you, you name it. What if all people, we said, were not impure or unclean? What if we laid down our life to one another? What if we invited them into a life-giving community with us? But we've got to know that our identity is not in our friends, it's not in our social status, it's not in our finances, where we live, what we think, who we vote for. Our identity is in the fact that Jesus Christ laid down his life and he died for every single one of us and he calls us his friend. Our identity is in the fact that we get to point to our heavenly father. And when we love one another, then we are loving like Christ loved. Romans 12, three says, do not think of yourself more highly than you ought, but rather think of yourself with sober judgment. What if we lived this way, that we went out and we made friends, and then we also taught our children to live this way? And I, and I know stranger danger, and we wanna teach our kids to be wise, right? But this does not mean that strangers are to be feared. This means that we can still be wise and look around and have our gut, but we can go to our neighbors and we can play with them. And parents, you can become friends with them and still keep your kids safe, but we're all working together. And think about a generation from now, how much more this earth would look like the kingdom of heaven because we've raised up our kids and we've grown in our muscle of learning how to be friends to the strangers with others. In John 4, 9, it says, a Samaritan woman said to him, she was talking to Jesus, you are a Jew and I am a Samaritan woman. How can you ask me for a drink? For Jews do not associate with Samaritans. Jesus is showing us how to be a friend. We get to grow in the image of Christ when we do as he did. We live in community. You're going to be pushed. You're going to be challenged. It's going to be difficult, but you will also be refined. So don't pull out of community. Don't pull out of a friendship when it gets hard, unless it's dangerous or toxic. But that's not what I'm talking about. I'm talking about don't break up with a friend just because they irritate you, just because you're tired of their 
baggage that they've come from. But instead, lean in, just like Christ has leaned in with you. Be patient, work through issues. Learn to reconcile and be agents of reconciliation. Being a friend takes courage. One of my favorite researchers, Brene Brown, she states, courage starts with showing up and letting ourselves be seen. Putting yourself out there, making a new friend does take courage, but it's a step towards solving loneliness. It's a step towards you not being lonely as well as you helping carrying somebody else who might be lonely. Because if you're one of the 50% that's not lonely, then odds are the next person you meet might be that person. So let's together practice to show up. You know, every week here in Temecula, new people move in here. There's moving vans that they're coming and they're moving right here into Temecula. They want to call Temecula home and they're looking for friends. And every week, new people come to Rancho. You might be some of them sitting in here. You're a guest and and you're looking for a community. Where do you belong? Where's your friend? So what if we said, I want to carry the strangers, because God carries me. I want to love because God loves us. I want to be a friend to the marginalized, the strange, the awkward, the weird, as well as those just like me, because God is friends with us. And you know, most of us are strange and are a little awkward as well. But this would be the love that the world could see. And just maybe they in turn would say, gosh, you're pointing to Jesus, and I want that. John 13, 35 says, all men will know that you are my disciples if you love one another. That's how they'll know, by us loving one another, being a friend, carrying another person. So this is where the workshop part of our um, day comes today. So I want you to pull out those books again and look at the side that says bucket list. So for me, a bucket list is at the end of your life, you're looking at what do I want it to look like. And so we're going to be considering friendships today. What do Christ-centered friendships look like? At the end of my life, how is my life going to look like Christ when it comes to friendships? What do I want it to look like? So we're going to take 60 seconds right now and write down what comes to your mind. What kind of atmosphere at the end of your life do you want surrounding you? So let's think about it. 60 seconds. Building meaningful relationships takes work, and it takes time and intention. Fall launch is coming at the end of August, which is where we actually will have a join a group day, but it's also about starting a group. There's both that needs to happen. Making new friends needs to be a priority for all of us as we're following Christ, intentionally surrounding ourselves around people that are different from us, but together we're learning how to advance the cause of Christ while we're growing into becoming like Christ. So are you ready to say, you know what, yes, yes to more friends? Are you ready to say yes to friends who might be different to you, to know your neighbor maybe, to welcome and invite your neighbor into some of your spaces? Maybe join a group where together you're going through the scriptures and you're challenging each other and you're growing together? If so, I want you to take out your phone right now. Actually, I'd like all of you to save this number in your phone right here. All you have to do is text the word groups 
to that phone number right there and say, yes, I, I wanna know what my next steps are. And we will walk you through it and guide you through it. It doesn't have to be strange or creepy. In fact, it can be a life-giving experience. But we're gonna now go to the next section in our workbook, which is right next to the bucket list, the talk about it. So I want you to talk about with either the friend next to you or maybe it's a stranger sitting next to you, make a new friend. What are you gonna do to get that bucket list complete by the end of your life? And come up with a list of things that are gonna help you move to where at the end of your life you're saying, yeah, I've reached my bucket list. Because you can just have this ideal up there, but unless you have goals and steps that meet to it, most likely it ain't gonna happen. So what what can you do to move to that? And then underneath it is the decide now. I want you to go, okay, I'm gonna decide now this week what's the first thing I'm gonna do to help me get closer to that bucket list. So your list for the bucket list, and then what are you gonna do? Go. And before we leave here today, um, I I wanna just ask, if there's somebody here and you don't know Jesus as your friend, I wanna ask you to consider making him your friend today. A friend with Jesus is life-giving. We have a prayer corner right over there in the back with people that would love to answer any questions that you might have. Just come alongside with you and just pray with you. Really, all it is is just saying, yes, Jesus, and allowing him to show you how to be a friend to others and how to be his friend. If you don't have a friend outside of Jesus and you're one of those that says, I am just so alone right now. I wanna encourage you for multiple things. One, go to the prayer corner and we have volunteer pastors who are there to pray with you and to help carry you and and point you into areas where you can find friends. We have Celebrate Recovery, we have Safe Harbor, we have um, pastoral counseling and care for you to to reach out because we want you to have a friend. And you know what, there's 50% of the people in this room that are ready to be your friend. We also, next week, have baptisms. And you know, there is no better time to be baptized and you can say, yes, I am a friend to Jesus and I wanna share it with the world by being baptized. And we have pastors that are out there to baptize you. Please consider how you can live your life in these scriptures, these life-giving scriptures with the power of the Holy Spirit and say, yes, not only do I want to be a friend to others, but I want Jesus to continue to grow in me and so that his kingdom come, his will be done here on earth as it is in heaven. Will you bow your heads with me as we pray? Heavenly Father, we thank you that you have called us friend. We thank you that you have given us the Holy Spirit to be our courage so that we can go out there and we can be your hands and your feet and we can carry others like you have carried us. Lord, continue to show us where we can love the marginalized, the hurting, those less fortunate than us. Lord, show us how to be a friend to our neighbor so that when disaster strikes, we have someone that we can go to outside of our family. Lord, we love you and we do thank you for all that you continue to do for us. In your name, amen.